0: And welcome to Geek Town Radio episode 102. This week I have with me Bex. Hey Hayden. I'm alright, how are you? (laughs) Yeah, good thanks. Manic one, but very good. Yes, you've had a bit of a stressful day so far, but you're here now, so that's good. (laughs) I am. That's what counts. So so what what have you been up to then?
2: Uh, Well, today I've mostly been running around and I got to go to the Lego Worlds event uh, up in London. Uh, after my sat nav tried to send me decidedly not to the Lego event,
0: <laughs> great.
2: But that was really good. That's a that's a good fun game. It's everything you want from a Lego game. Good. It really, really is. It's easy to pick up really enjoyable you can do so much it just seems to be an endless amount of possibilities i mean i spent five minutes spawning chickens across the sea (laughs) i I don't think that's technically what i was supposed to be doing but you can and it was fun there's so much humor in it there's so many touches that if you like any of the other the lego games the lego movies everything they do they always have this underlying tongue-in-cheek sense of humor and that's, that's very much apparent here. Yeah, it's it's a good one. I can't see this, this not becoming a, a classic game. Is it a big open world thing? Is it like yeah, an online multiplayer a, thing? It has cooperative modes. You can just go and build stuff. Right. It, you have missions and storylines you can follow and you can become a master builder and you can go and discover more things so that- and you have more have more things you can build with. Uh, or you can just build entire planet. The guy who was uh, giving a presentation, he said he made an entire planet that was nothing but ice and populated entirely by monkeys.
3: <laughs> <laughs> also- so it,
2: it really is an endless set of possibilities. You can just do what you like and press at the pace you want and... Yeah, you can get distracted swimming around in the sea, catching fish um, or just yeah, spawning chickens and making them fly across the <laughs> landscape as I did. It's just good fun, really. It's just good fun.
0: Yes. Yeah, that sounds quite good fun. I do like those Lego games, so they're always good for a laugh. So, uh, so I might have to go and look that out. Any, anything else? you
2: want to, anything TV-wise? Well, well, I've mostly been out the house. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite different from the previous times I've been on, When I've mostly been in the house. <laughs> yes. Uh, I've been watching Legion. Legion, and yes. And that is really, really good. Very very thoroughly impressed with Legion it's very different than you'd expect from an X-Men TV series I can see it
0: Oh yes, being yes. something
2: that people that have never heard of a comic book would get into quite readily because it's more of a psychological drama and yeah it, it's really well filmed as well whenever they have those nightmare sequences and it sort of looks like a horror movie that use of colour and lighting really ambitious really strong TV series I can see this becoming my favourite X-Men screen based adaptation easily
0: yes yeah, it's, it's not very X-Men in any way shape or form really it's it's the uh, the fact that it's sort of comic book related to the x-men is kind of by the wayside at this point um i i've seen the first three episodes as well and and i thoroughly enjoyed it i'm sort of waiting for the other episodes to to for us to catch up over here so so uh because i you know i had them on a press preview so i i'm waiting for it to catch up so i could watch the rest of it now but it's really good it's really enjoyable well worth watching It's on Fox. For anybody that
2: wants to go and watch that.
0: Any other stuff?
2: Yeah, well obviously we were both at the uh, PC gamer weekender.
0: Yes, yes, we shall we shall come was, on to that in a minute. Was good fun.
2: Yes. Um that that was a nice fun running around. Um that's taken off a reasonable amount of my time, I'll be honest. <laughs> There's been too many exciting things going on recently. I mean, I would talk about the the Legion TV premiere, but obviously, uh, as you've seen the video, I was asleep.
0: Yes, yes. Rip Van Bex. It it looked
2: amazing though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you ready? So we we set you up to go to the premiere of of Legion and and you slept through it. Yes, well done.
2: (laughs) Yeah, four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm incredibly rock and roll. I (laughs) fell asleep. I did make a video about how I fell asleep. So, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you got some content out of it. (laughs) So, (laughs) all right um for me there's there's not been that much in terms of new tv this time around uh ssgb which is this alternative reality drama that's come onto bbc1 very much in the kind of vein of man in the high castle but set in the uk so it's it's what if the germans had won the battle of britain basically is the premise of it so, you're in German occupied London. You're following a member of the Metropolitan Police, but he's sort of, they're supposed to be independent, but obviously this is Nazi Germany. So, the uh, Nazis are kind of in control of everything. And he gets sucked into this plot, which is to do with the rebellion that inevitably is going on. And the SS are involved as well. So, the first episode went out, I think it was Sunday, I think. But but it's a really interesting looking series and not, as odd as man in the high castle it's not got that kind of otherworldliness that you've got in man in the high castle it's far more kind of detective drama that happens to be set in this alternative reality than a complete sort of sci-fi thing but uh very enjoyable so worth watching if you uh if you like that sort of stuff also this week you've got legends of tomorrow which is is uh, back have you gone back to watch that yet
2: i i haven't watched a huge amount more of it yet i should do everyone keeps saying that it's now becoming their favourite one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think when you were on last time, I sort of said Flash is still my favourite, but I, I am really enjoying it. It is, it is getting up there. I like it because of the fact that it's like they've just gone stuff it and thrown caution to the wind and, and are going with every ridiculous idea they can come up with, but it's so fun. It's just joyous to watch. It's very, very funny. It's really well written, but without going over the top in terms of its kind of campiness it, but it it's just endless joy watching it you know it it's that sort mm-hmm. of show so i I would go back I would say, go back and watch legends if you've if you've stepped away from it because I'm really enjoying this series. I think they're doing a superb job with it. It's, it's unfortunately, it seems to be the one show that's lacking behind the others in the ratings in the US. And I don't understand why because I think they're putting everything into it at this point, and it's it's doing a brilliant, brilliant job. It's a really good series. So that's that's one to go back to if you've jumped out of it. And 24 Legacy, which we've mentioned a few times before, that's now started properly airing in the UK. I found this really enjoyable. We're actually doing a podcast. Myself and Matt, who occasionally does this show, are doing a 24 podcast separate specifically about that show, which you can get from entertainmenttalk.org. But the show itself, I really enjoy it. It's surprising how little you don't miss Jack Bauer. Because <laughs> you know, I like the way you worded
2: that. Very, very yeah, politician. You, Sorry, well, you,
0: you kind of, well, you sort of expect, oh, this is going to suck because you know, Kiefer Sutherland's not there. But you actually don't miss him. At all, really. I I think the new guy whose name, that's terrible, his name escaped me. But, um, you know, the new lead, I think, does a brilliant job. It's got a feeling of if you ever watched Homeland and you kind of wondered how they were going to carry on after killing off Damian Lewis. It, it sort of feels like that it feels like it it is still part of the 24 it's just you know slightly shifted and slightly different but all the elements are in place i heard a lot of snotty reviews about the fact that you know oh well you know it's no different to the old 24 i'm like well why is that a bad thing surely that isn't that what you want surely that's the purpose of it
2: yeah by changing up some of the cast and things then they can keep reusing the stuff that works for them but yeah. do other things very differently I mean if they try to just carry it on with the same cast drawing it out it really got quite drawn they were making sort of in jokes in the original of series about how he basically never slept or went to the bathroom Yeah, and they needed to do something to change it up and this seems like the only logical thing they could have done without it not being 24
0: yeah i mean you know it's still very much 24 it, if you like things like homeland if you if you like the original series i think you'll really like this seems to be going down well in the u.s regardless of what critics say about it so uh you know that's good so, I, I think we may see this back for another season after this as well. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying that so far. So, I'm looking forward to more than that. And uh, gaming wise, as Beck said, we've just been down to uh, PC Gamer Weekender. So, we were down there on, uh, I was actually there Saturday and Sunday. You only came over for the Saturday. But yeah, that was a fantastic show. I mean, it's small compared to, uh, were you expecting it to be that small? Because I wasn't expecting it to be quite that small.
2: No, I think. I think in some ways they did themselves a slight disservice in the way they'd sort of advertised it and promoted it because I expected it to be much bigger and busier and, to be honest, be of, you know, less quality. What they had was something that was very compact, not that busy. You could jump on loads of different games. It was all very well run. And if you just want to go and sit and play games and tournaments for hours, that's great. That's exactly what it does. And they sort of tried to push it i felt from the stuff i'd seen and the website and stuff as being something slightly different but yeah i think did him a bit of disservice because it was it was really good getting on all the vr was amazing
0: yeah i mean you looked at i actually looked at the advert advertisement for it in pc gamer last month and they say it's at london olympia and they've got a shot of the big main hall at olympia and it isn't it's in one of the side rooms essentially but they do a fantastic job with this small area that they've got and as you say it is this great variety of stuff it's really easy to get on anything you weren't being rushed off computers to get another bunch of people in you were booking slots for things like some of the vr things but quite a lot of the time you could just go up and kind of walk on to some of the vr stuff which was amazing you know so uh, i i thought yeah they'd and
2: broken it up as well so that not everything wasn't booked up at first thing in the morning you could you know you wanted an afternoon slot you had to wait till a certain time to go and book it so it meant that no slots got wasted and there was a good opportunity for everyone to have a go on something yeah yeah And i thought it was incredibly well organized
0: yeah unbelievably well organized it's a really good little event for, you know if you're a pc gamer because you know so much of the pc of the gaming shows are just covered by console stuff at this point it's really nice to have this this little dedicated show that, you know, is primarily dedicated to PC stuff, which, you know, is really lovely. So I I'm was really happy with it. I, I thought, oh yeah, because when you first walked in I thought, oh well this is quite small, but the fact that you could just get on everything, I thought was was brilliant. What games stood out for you?:
2: All of the VR and Anti-Hero, which you were playing for for quite a while. Mm. Um, just quite, I liked quite a lot of the indie stuff as well. Obviously like the the Carumble and things like that were, were really good. It was nice to chat to people. Oh, Sonic as well. the new Sonic game was amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. there was quite a number of, of uh, different things. I mean, the VR games were great, they, but they were primarily standing shooting stuff. <laughs> you know which is brilliant but 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 you know i mean there was a serious sam um, vr game which was great if you're a fan of serious sam um, that was quite your fun because you got to pick different weapons and you had like you know you could have a mini gun and a chainsaw, and that was as great. I did. Yes, as you <laughs> did. So you can do that, but it is basically standing in one place, shooting enemies coming towards you. Raw data, which was another one, is yeah, you know, was a perfectly fine FPS shooter. Again, it's it's quite similar in the in the setup. Though it's you in one place shooting things coming towards you, and I played a little indie game which was made by a bunch of students at um, University of South Wales, actually called jeff's tower and it's kind of this warcraft kind of wooden tower being attacked by orcs from all sides and uh, they've done a great job with that it's a really fun little game you really get the sense of vertigo. If you walk to the edge of the tower and look over, you get this amazing sense of vertigo kind of looking down as well. So it's, that was really good. Uh, you know, and that's only in kind of development and done by this group of students. But again, uh, you know, same sort of FPS game, but, but really nicely put together. And they
2: had that really nice maze, didn't they as yeah. well, which was semi, it was VR, but also they had a real maze you to walk around.
0: Yeah. I was going to mention that. Um, Cause I, I tried, that out and you're actually wearing the backpack so although you because know, with a lot of these games the it's using the hdc vive headset which is wired into the computer with this the backpack essentially is the computer so it's wired directly into that and it uh, means you can walk around which you can't do normally they actually had it was only like a little sort of three or four meter by three or four meter space that they had but they got this little maze set up so you actually kind of walked around and it was this little dungeon where you went in and had to solve puzzles but then you walked into a lift which was the centerpiece and the centerpiece the floor actually shakes as the lift goes up and down so that really immerses you in it but that was very very well put together and really shows you what you can do with those sort of games as well outside of the vr there was a a number of indie games there which we had had a look at Uh, crumbles you mentioned as well which is it's basically breakout but on steroids i guess
2: yeah breakout but on everything it takes the concept and just runs with it i mean they were talking about how it was only supposed to be a year-long project and they've been doing it for seven
0: yeah seven years they've been so it's it.
2: definitely something that seven years a team of six really seriously impressive game that one
0: yeah and, and i mean considering it's such a simple concept as well you actually had an interview with the developer of crumble so we're gonna play that interview in now it's only about two minutes long I
4: I'm here with Thomas, who's one of the developers of Crumble. What can you tell me about the game? How did this come about?
5: We started working on Crumble about seven years ago now, when we were a couple of computer science students, and uh, we we said to ourselves, we can make games, we're going to make a game engine. So we we sort of made a game engine, and then we thought, now we need a game. We're gonna take something relatively simple like a 3D breakout. We're gonna make it. We're gonna finish it in a year, and then we've released the game, and we we can say we're actually game developers now. And right. that's seven years ago because what happened is, once we were making the game and making the the brick breaker, we, we discovered this is actually like a lot of fun. Yeah. And we just kept on adding ideas and ideas because there's so many things you can do with the genre that we didn't see in a lot of games out there. So we yeah we kind of went on this journey throughout the brick breaker land, as it were. So it
4: got a little bit out of hand from a a one-year initial project. And there were
5: six of you working on this together? There's six of us, yes. Right now there are five of us when we started and uh, we got a new guy in the team a few months ago. But uh, the thing that's also kind of slowing us down is that we only work on the game part-time. So we're only doing it one day a week and we're doing uh, we having day jobs on the other days of yeah. the week.
4: It's incredibly <laughs> professional looking and incredibly detailed for something that's being done as, as a part-time project.
5: Well, thank you. We are taking it very <laughs> seriously.
4: People <laughs> seem to be loving it here as well. I've had a go. It's absolutely great fun. Hey, that's awesome. It's that's such great. a simple idea I think that allows you to do so much with it actually yeah it does and
5: there's there's all these platform things and there's, we have levels with switches where you have to solve puzzles, and, all kind of, and you can all do, do all of that with, uh, yeah, with really simple mechanics. And that, oh, it was a bit of an eye opener for us. Yeah,
4: definitely <laughs> focusing on making something that was fun.
5: Yeah, I think all game developers do. We, we just try to make everything fun. Just hitting the ball is supposed to be fun, and mm. even if you miss everything and the ball hits the wall, it's still supposed to be fun. It
4: makes a reassuring crashing sound. Yeah, exactly. It? Like yeah. Everything about the graphics is just yeah. very rewarding. very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, that,
5: that, that's exactly what we're going for. Yeah.
4: So you're about 50% complete at the moment
5: we have released 50% of the content but the other content is still there in outlines so we're 50% released but it's not going to take another seven years <laughs> yeah, that's good to know yeah it's definitely not good so over the last one and a half years we've been able to release about a chapter a year for six months yeah so if we can keep it up we will have everything on steam in about 18 months
4: Cool. So this is mainly coming out on Steam is that the only platform for this one?
5: No, but we really have to choose our battles because we're uh, yeah, we just we don't have a lot of time to spend on the game, so we're currently just focusing on the one platform, but we are considering uh, the other platforms as well. Since it's our own engine, it's hard for us to port to to consoles, so uh... it's going to be PC, Mac and Linux. Mm-hmm but not not any of the other consoles. But we might release on other platforms besides Steam. We just haven't decided on that yet.
4: It looks incredibly fun. Thanks very much for yeah. talking to us. Good luck with this. I look Thanks. forward to seeing it released. Yeah. Thank Enjoy you. the rest of your weekend, man. Yeah, we will. Thanks.
0: Thank you. That was really fun, that little game. Yeah, there's so much kind of going on. It's amazing what you can get out of a, of a game that's essentially a glorified version of Breakout. It's amazing what they managed to do with it.
2: I think that's probably its greatest strength as well, is that they started at something that was very fun and just added
0: more layers of fun. Yes, just never a bad thing. Uh, there is a video of of some clips of that up on the website as well, so you can go and have a look at that. Other things that we saw, there was a, a little game called Antihero, which was one of the little indie games, which is basically a, a strategy game with... Uh, a kind of cartoon style where you play a thief and you're you're kind of trying to take over certain businesses and stuff in this little medieval type town and you send out people to kind of go and spy on the businesses there is another spy that you're playing against as well that you've got to try and sort of block him and take over the other businesses but um i I had a quite a while playing on that that's really really good fun i'm looking forward to, to getting a full version of that so i can really get into it but uh because there's only so much you can play on that place little nightmares as well which if you've seen little nightmares before because that's been around quite a while i can't believe it's not released yet uh, no i've not played that one before it's kind of like if you know the game limbo which is a, mm-hmm. a sort of side scrolling black and white game this is is full 3d and full color but it has that kind of feeling to it. In the, certainly in the demo that I was playing, there wasn't really any explanation of who you were or where you were. You play this little girl and she's trying to escape this house, which has got these horribly grotesque kind of characters in it. There's like a chef who, if he spots you, will chase after you. And it's a sort of puzzle game that you've got to try and work out ways of of getting out of various different rooms and getting, like, running through the kitchen and and uh, figure out a route through, and uh, but avoiding all these little monsters and terrors that are going on inside this house. It's a game that has been around for quite a while at various different shows. Like, I think I saw it back in November... They, were, they had a huge stand at EGX. Um, so it may have even been earlier. It may have been sort of June last year. And they had this really massive stand there. So it's had quite a big presence for a while, but it's. I think it's April 21st that's officially finally getting released. But it's a really, really fun little game and kind of quite dark and scary. So I really like the look of that. And had a play-on game called Impact Winter, which, have you ever played This War of Mine? Uh, I haven't, but I've heard of that one. Again this war of mine is kind of a 2d thing which is set in a sort of post-apocalyptic world mainly black and white this is kind of a much less depressing version of, of that essentially <laughs> it's full color and uh, you are in the same situation in that you're kind of stuck in a sort of house or bunker you've got a team around you and you're trying to get a color go out and Collect supplies and that sort of stuff to make sure so you can survive. But it's it's more cartoony and more fun and uh, the, just just less kind of threatening. I mean, this War of Mine is is a fairly miserable game, and Impact Winter I I thought felt a bit more kind of hopeful in, in that sort of term yeah. terms. And <laughs> you uh, like
2: your post apocalyptic futures to be hopeful?
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, so so that was quite good fun. Um, there was a little game called Hack Tag which was a two-person co-op where one person controls the spy that's trying to get through this kind of office building or this location, and the other person is controlling a hacker. So he described it as being a bit like, if you think of Mission Impossible 3, one of them is Simon Pegg and one of them's Tom Cruise. So, so one person's the person in the van, and one person's the person on the ground. So that's the sort of idea behind it. But that was really fun and was a really nice little two person co-op. There were a number of other little independent games as well there was there was one of the VA, vr games was Great American Punch, which basically yes, that's what I call the
2: hastily reskinned game
0: <laughs> yes, I think it it has actually been built from scratch, but it is essentially a boxing game, but the opponent is Donald Trump. So, so yeah, but who doesn't doesn't want to be able to punch Donald Trump in the face? So you know, it
2: was quite good fun. There did seem to be a reasonable people are on that one.
0: Yes, yeah, there were were quite a few people wanting to go on that. The other game that I saw quite a lot of was Star Citizen, which well they didn't actually have the game there, but they did have the developers there who were talking about the latest sort of patch update. And uh, as I was talking about last week, one of the games that I've been playing quite a lot recently is Elite Dangerous, which is you know the the classic space. Trading game. Star Citizen is very much in that sort of vein but kind of much earlier on in the process. So th- th- and their idea is to create a game where you can fly and trade and fight in space in a big open universe, but you will also be allowed to land your ship and get out and walk around starports. So it there was a lot of talk about where they could go with that and what sort of things they're developing for that, which was really, really interesting. I did take a video of some of that talk, but unfortunately, the the sound quality was so horrendous in that room that uh, I didn't manage to actually kind of I don't think it's going to be very usable so I'm not going to be able able to put anything up but go and check out some more stuff about Star Citizen because I I really quite enjoyed that any
2: other PC Game Weekend stuff you want to add in? There was a little game called Sundown, I think it was. It was next to where you were playing Anti-Hero, yes. which looked really interesting. That was a four, up to four player, either online or locally. Just a little battler. Very, very simple. Just black screen with white kind of like things to hide behind and you were just little coloured things sort of shooting at each other. Yeah, one of those really simple games. You said it won an award recently as well, but I can't recall which one. Um, right. But that looked like quite good fun.
0: What I love about the indie stuff these days is the fact that there is such a big indie community yeah with the event of things like unity and and software development programs like that it's become quite easy to start developing games i mean it's very very difficult to get them good but there is a huge market for these little independent games particularly on the pc i do love going to shows like this where there are, are are you know a lot of these people showing this sort of stuff off because the little independent things is where you tend to find a lot more of the in- innovation i mean bear in mind that huge the in little independent games can go on to be huge games i mean look at things like minecraft so
2: yeah that little little not very well heard of game yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> just, um, just a
0: small thing yeah just just a tiny thing
2: So any any other games you spotted? Uh, I think we've covered most of the main ones. They were were just such a good range packed into that tiny event. Yeah, I
0: would advise anybody who is interested in PC gaming to... Go and get some tickets for that next time. I mean, it, it's worth going down, even if you only go down for the day. Really interesting event, and uh, you know, quite. Although it's quite, it is quite small physically. There is a lot of stuff packed into that little space, so uh, definitely worth going to if you uh, if you're a PC gamer or just a gaming enthusiast. I think. So, with all that stuff out of the way, let's move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> TV and film news this week first story we have is uh, Kevin Smith returning to TV bringing a uh, comic book to life caught from uh, Tog McFarlane, it was originally who originally did it to BBC America of all places the comic books called Salmon Twitch I, I it's a, it's a spin-off from the spawn comic books I don't know I'm not massively familiar with spawn I don't know whether that's one you know
2: uh, yeah I know spawn reasonably well so that's exactly up teenage me alley. <laughs> 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 yeah, I I mean I'm aware
0: of Spawn, obviously, but uh Sam and Twitch were basically the two NYPD detectives that were originally kind of side characters in the Spawn comic books and then they became quite popular so Todd McFarlane spanned them off into their own book and then kind of Brian Michael Bendis really took hold of them and kind of formed them into into the books that they are now so it was certainly his run that, that was really the kind of thing that made the books popular. They're now bringing this into a TV show. The two characters are essentially police detectives set in New York City. Their job is really to investigate some of the stranger cases that occur inside the Big Apple. Specifically, do you know the Salmon Twitch
4: book?
2: I've not really read Salmon Twitch and their spin off. Um, I just know them from within Spawn. Uh, it's like an it's an interesting one for someone to pick up for TV and I am very much intrigued by this I have to say
0: yeah I mean Kevin Smith's had a few TV projects fall through recently he was originally set to work on the revamp of Buckaroo but then dropped out when discovered the TV company were actually suing the original creators of the show in an effort to actually get hold of the rights, which he strongly disagreed with. So he ended up dropping out of that. He's also been directing, he's directed two episodes of The Flash this season. He's directing two episodes of Supergirl this season. He's also got a revival of Jay and Silent Bob in the works as well. So he's bringing those characters back for a new movie. And he's got the third film in his True North trilogy, which is called Moose Jaws, which is Jaws with a moose <laughs> so you know fairly busy guy i've been a huge fan of kevin smith for a while so i i'm sort of glad to see he he's embracing tv as much as he has been quite recently he's obviously a comic book guy i mean he's got a tv show called comic book men so you know i mean he's he knows his comic book stuff so I think he's probably the perfect guy to take this over and BBC America is an interesting place for it.
2: They seem to pick up all of the slightly interesting things at the moment. Yes, your counterpart... That's the home of Orphan Black as well. Yeah, I was going to say, your counterpart in Orphan
0: Black is there as well. Uh,
2: (laughs) Someone who looks nothing like me. Says you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yes uh all from blacks there i think was the dirt gently revival i think that was a co-production with netflix as well when and bbc america i believe so yeah they, they tend to go for some slightly weirder projects over there which is is quite nice it's only an early development at the moment they're kind of getting scripts together and things be interesting to see where that goes and hopefully that will go to a full series but i quite like that There's another comic book adaptation in development as well, based on the Boom Studios comic called Talent. Now, I I didn't know this book at all. I don't know whether that's one you've come across.
2: Uh, it's not one I've read, no. Uh,
0: Talent is a book created in 2006 by Christopher goldman Tom, I can't pronounce his last name. Snedi, Snedisky, maybe? <laughs> um, the story follows a college professor called Nicholas Dane, who ends up being the sole survivor of a plane crash, which had killed all 148 other passengers and crew on the plane unable to explain how he somehow miraculously managed to survive 12 hours underwater when the plane goes down he's accused of being the person responsible for the incident, which seems a bit harsh, but (laughs) um, that's the premise for it. The police now chasing after him, he's now on the run as a fugitive, but he discovers whilst on the run that he's actually absorbed the talents of all the other passengers on the plane. So I thought this sounded quite like an interesting sort of premise for a TV show.
2: Yeah, uh, it's another one I've noticed that quite a few of the comic book adaptations that are going on are ones which you wouldn't necessarily know were comic book adaptations, looking at Legion, uh, looking at and twitch and looking at this i think they're looking very much to bring people who aren't necessarily comic book fans as well and that's why they're picking up some of these slightly more obscure or or slightly less traditionally kind of what people think of comic book titles yeah it's definitely an interesting time for tv with everyone seems to be grabbing at the comic book titles
0: yeah yeah i mean they are kind of going through sifting through some some fairly obscure titles because i mean that was i think it was uh I don't know whether it's still running, but, uh, you know, it was only a fairly short run initially, I think. And it's it's not exactly, you know, a, a AAA mainstream title, that. The guy behind it is a guy called Neil H. Moritz, who was involved with Preacher, uh, Prison Break, True Calling, and the Fast and Furious films. So, you know, he's he's a fairly big name. It's his production company behind it. It's actually not the first time this book has, has been published tried to be made into something for screen. Uh, Back in 2011, Zach Whedon who was the writer of Written Fringe, Deadwood unfortunately probably best known for being the youngest of the Whedon brothers Uh, more than anything else but uh, yeah he wrote a film adaptation which didn't actually get picked up to going anywhere and uh, this version is not going to have any connection to that but it's interesting that this story's been picked up a couple of, yeah this is the second time that this has been picked up by somebody for an adaptation so we'll, we'll see there are quite a few it's things. interesting
2: it's going to say a company that is connected to true calling because it's a it feels like a similar sort of mood yeah
0: yeah that that's a fair point yes it does i bet it, it works i mean this, this sort of thing it seems to be exactly written for a tv format this because the idea of somebody on the run the idea that you can bring out different talents every episode, so I, I quite like that. I think that's that's quite a good thing for for them to come across.
2: It's one of the advantages of picking up comics is they're written in an episodic manner, so they are written in a way that translates quite well to being moved to forty five minute segment TV show.
0: Yes, yeah, very much so. So last story this week, which you may have seen if you've seen on the on the news, and we posted it on the website, American Horror Story, the seventh season the guy behind it Ryan Murphy was on a tv show last week and revealed what the series was going to be based around and apparently it's going to be based around <laughs> the 2016 election of Donald Trump
2: <laughs> um thoughts if it were april i would uh, <laughs> i would not believe them it uh I'm interested to see how they go about that without causing a riot. Yes,
0: I kind of know what you mean. I mean, I I did wonder whether he's going for some sort of troll of the decade award when he he first kind of said this and whether he was being absolutely genuine. But I mean, it seems like he is. And how exactly they're going to approach this, I'm not entirely sure. Whether it's going to be directly involved in the White House, or so you are going to have somebody cast as Donald Trump, whether it's going to be fictitious versions of these characters playing out the same sort of roles, or whether it's going to have the genuine election as some sort of backdrop to something else going on. It's not clear at the moment it's a fascinating idea
2: i think they're gonna have to tread quite carefully in with that one or they could expect to be sued with the powers of the entire united states government
0: <laughs> yes i think they are going to have to be fairly careful with that i, I mean it, it's uh, kind of a fascinating idea though so um i mean i haven't watched american horror story probably since season one and uh, not f- not that, you know, I didn't think any of it was any good. I've really enjoyed that first season. It's just, it's always clashed with something else. And I've never quite, and it's one of those things that I've sort of thought, well, I can jump in any season. And this season looks quite interesting to me. So I don't know, we'll see where it goes. But uh, yeah, very intriguing. Uh, it's due to begin shooting in June and it will air in the autumn. So yes, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. So that's it for the news this week. Next up, we have an interview. The interview this week is with a composer called Darren Moores. Darren is a composer and music producer who's based in Brooklyn, in New York. When I actually spoke to him in this interview, it was a few weeks ago, and he was at Sundance with his latest film, which is called Sydney Hall. Stars uh, Logan Lerman, who I think people will probably know from the Percy Jackson movies, and Elle Fanning, who is sister to Dakota Fanning, and uh, you will know from Super Eight, and she was in Maleficent as well. The, the film's directed by the Oscar winner Sean Christensen, as well. Um, it's not Sean's only job. Yeah, Sean originally was the lead singer with a band called Stellar Star, which is where Darren met him because he started off as a musician and sound engineer and was working with people like The Killers and Gent Addiction and Placebo. But uh, it was with Stellar Star where he met Sean. Sean then decided that he wanted to sort of write and direct movies. So uh, he went off to do that, and Darren started scoring. The movies for him. So he's done all of Sean's work, uh, including Curfew, which was the movie which won the Oscar for Best Live Action Short in 2012, uh, and won about 40 other awards as well. So this is their latest production together. It's called Sydney Hall. This is the interview with Darren. It's about 20 minutes long. We shall see you afterwards with Smear It's
1: that time of the year.
3: Hi Darren. Hey David, how's it going? I'm right. how are you? Uh, not too bad, recovering from all the celebration last night.
0: <laughs> yes, you're at Sundance at the moment.
3: Yeah, exactly. With the altitude, every drink is worth two.
0: <laughs> Fun, cheap night anyway.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> is this your first time at Sundance?
3: Yeah, yeah, I've been to a lot of other festivals, but never never Sundance, and it's it's been pretty great. I, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm a winter person, so I'm... Actually, I'm more excited to go snowboarding once this is all over than than, than to see the premiere. To be honest with you.
0: <laughs> so yes, you're you're up at Sundance with your movie, which is called Sydney Hall.
3: Yep, that's right. Do
0: you want to tell me a little bit about the
3: film? Well, without giving too much away, it's it's about a a, a kid who who writes a novel of his generation and uh achieves like massive success influences you know a whole generation and it ultimately ends up destroying him and uh the story traces that spiral downward through three different periods of his life so yeah it, it's a pretty unique film and yeah. and, 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 and with a unique way of, of, of telling it.
0: That's interesting. I noticed uh, Logan Lerman is is down as one of the leads. If he's doing three generations, is it the same lead actor throughout? Or is yeah,
3: it... yeah, I mean that was that was the real challenge uh, Sean the director had with uh getting this film to happen is you know he had to, to pick his his male lead and his female lead and he had to find a kid who was talented enough to be able to play eighteen 24 and 30, like convincingly. Wow. I think he literally auditioned just about every 20 something in Hollywood, you know, (laughs) to, to ultimately decide on Logan. Which which is, of course, pretty uh, ironic since I think Logan was one of the very first people who was interested. Right.
0: (laughs) It's always the way.
3: (laughs) I believe Elle also early on was like one of the first people interested. And, you know, at the time we were like, well, she's 16. She's just too young. And then by the time they got done with the audition process, we're like, well, wow, she's 18 now. Okay, (laughs) let's do it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's L Fanning. Um, yeah. You've got mm-hmm. uh, Michelle Monaghan, Kyle Chandra, I noticed in there, Nathan Nain's in there, who's brilliant.
3: Yeah, who are all terrific. Like, they all just completely crushed it. Like, it's, it's still... There are some performances that, you know, each individual actor gives that still, like, even though I've, I've seen it more times at this point than anyone ever will, like, there's still moments that each actor gives that gives me chills well wow. it's, it's exciting
0: you because are the composer for the uh for, for it so um yeah. how, did, how did you approach the music for it
3: well uh it was a long convoluted process which is normally how stuff goes with me and sean i've done i've done all of his films to date so we have like a long we have a, we have a history working together and and at this point like you know, with any normal project, once you know, they, they finish editing it and then they hand it to me and then they, they give me, you know, somewhere between two to four weeks and then I write the music and then there's a back and forth about changing stuff and then and then it's generally done. That's not the case with, with Sean at all. I mean, he, he basically has me start writing music while he's working on the script. Wow. And uh, then, you know, he takes wh- whatever he likes that I've written early on, he takes it with him to the set and plays it for the actors, you know, to kind of get them in the world of the film and the scene and the story. So it's, it's a very fluid, organic process that literally goes until the very last day of the sound mix where i'm changing stuff right up until the last minute you know (laughs) like when indiana jones like rolls under the stone door and grabs his hat at the last second that's kind of like how the post-production process for (laughs) sean's films really are
0: (laughs) Um, so if you're if you're dealing with a film that's got the got sort of three quite distinct age periods in it are you altering the music to reflect that as well
3: that's an excellent question there there was a temptation like on my part to try and do that but ultimately it would have just been so confusing and haphazard and it would have i think i feel like it would have my my ultimate goal is with with any film is to sort of like have the, the audience feel the music more than notice it necessarily. Yeah. So I feel like if I would have changed the, the style or the sound or the timbre of the music with each like era, it would have drawn more attention to itself where honestly, this, this is a film that like, it demands like 125% of the audience. It, attention to sort of follow it. Yeah. So I didn't want to sort of take up any, any ram space in the audience heads. You know, I wanted to kind of just, be the glue that connects the film together rather than sort of decorate it and ornament it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. So it, so, the, so, so, the music, while it does tend to sound a little more whimsical and a little more cheery and, and, and tale ish when everything's peachy keen at age 18, um, yeah. that's really kind of like where the differences in the score end. Otherwise, the, the music's just more of like a connective tissue
0: right yeah you tend to get that with with some films some films you really really the music stands out so much and then sometimes you need it to kind
3: of be more integral yeah. and yeah, you know, weaved <laughs> in into this, it on in so. the music's more like a picture frame yeah. Or at least it is to me. It's more like a picture frame rather than, you know, other films where the music's kind of a character yeah. in the film, you know, specifically in, in horror films, you know, that that I yeah. do where the music is more kind of like, OK, this horrible noise is happening. So get ready to, you know, clutch your seat. You know, it's this is more just sort of like the music's almost like a color tint or, you know, um, yeah. a smell of a certain the, a smell that reminds you of a certain period of your life, at least to me, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned horror movies there. You've you've done a number of of uh, horror films in your back catalogue. There's a, there's an awful lot of films on your uh, on your IMDb page. I know.
3: I, I like to keep busy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and, and I have done a lot of horror films, and all in varying quality. <laughs> Highly varying quality. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, but some of the some of the lower quality horror films are sometimes some of the most entertaining ones. Like.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, let me tell. That's the. Great great thing about horror films and and sci-fi films like even if they're really terrible they're still they can still be pretty fun yeah um where a a terrible drama is is like unless you're doing a drama that's like that is so bad that it gets to the level of like the room you know like there's there's nothing more terrible than a mediocre drama Let's
0: put yeah. it that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. So do you have a particular passion for a certain sort of genre? Because I, I noticed you've done as well as the horror there's a number of sci-fi things in there as well mm-hmm. do you tend to gravitate towards those sort of things or is it just a case of the script comes up and you're like that's interesting i'll do it
3: uh, yeah no it, for me it's it's the genre is really kind of insignificant it's it's just like is it a cool story is it something that i either can relate to or characters that i feel like i have some connection with or you know something that i can really invest myself with you know i mean that's not always the case. Like, sometimes you just take gigs because they come along. But yeah. uh, but I've been doing this for almost five years now. So luckily, now I'm starting to get to the point where I, I can be a little bit more selective. And, and for me, uh, you know, it, it's always about the story. I will say that just like anything else. It, it, any other creative sort of job like it always seems to be like a murphy's law it never seems to coincide so when i'm like in a phase where i'm listening to like unstrits and annoy and skinny puppy and nine inch nails and i really want to make Horrible, grating, intense noises. Yeah. That's usually when I get hired to do a rom com, <laughs> and, and vice versa. So you know that that always that never seems to sync up. Yeah. But but the interesting thing about Sean's films is uh, his film, like because I've I've done all of them so far, and and his films. Definitely seem to align themselves with various crises that happen in, in my personal life. And, and so in a way, yeah, and so a way it's almost sort of like method composing. Uh, because you know, like like he like we worked on curfew when like when my marriage was falling apart, and then we worked on before I disappear when I was getting over my divorce. And then, um, and then Sydney Hall. I was in the hospital in August for something pretty serious. And once I got out, scot free. I had this sort of existential crisis and that kind of coincided right with like really diving into hardcore working on Sydney Hall. So hopefully at some point, Sean will make a movie about happy people doing amazing things and <laughs> you know, my life will will follow suit, but that's not likely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need to encourage that. Some sort of yeah. nice Disney-esque kind of happiness. Yeah. That's what he wants.
3: Yeah. <laughs> right. An animated thing or something. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. So we should just go back a bit. Just explain what your background is and how you ended up composing in the first place.
3: Oh, OK. Well, um, like most people, I suppose, I, I started out from a teenager into my 20s playing in a, in a million awful bands and uh, <laughs> eventually figuring out that like recording studios are really expensive and, and you never really get what you want. So I taught myself how to, you know, record my band's records and then ultimately recording other bands and figuring, oh, well, now they're actually giving me money to do this. And then so I became like a a studio engineer and then uh, also a live engineer. And then I recorded uh, the demo for Sean, the director's uh, band. Stella Star. Yeah. And uh, ultimately became their live sound engineer and toured with them for like eight years. And I was still running my recording studio at the time whenever I was home. And then uh, during the tourings, Sean decided he wanted to uh, start writing screenplays and directing films. So I said, hey, can I do the music? And, you know, because it's something that I've always in the back of my mind thought it'd be cool to do like, like most people who, you know, play music, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like when your girlfriend has like an Etsy store and sells vintage clothing and all the other girls are like, I've been meaning to do that. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, all right. So composing is kind of the same thing with musicians. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm a film film composer. And then, you know, they're like, oh, I've been meaning to get into that. And I'm like, well, you know, okay, good luck. (laughs) But, uh, so anyway, I started doing the music for Sean's films and then he ultimately you know, won an Oscar for Curfew. And that's when I was like, maybe I should take this a bit more seriously and do it for real. And that's it kind of all just sort of mushroomed from there. So the cool thing is, is that film composing, you're, you're not just a musician. You're also an audio engineer. You're also a sound designer. You're also, you know, you wear a lot of hats. And yeah. the cool thing about the job for me is that this long convoluted twist and turns kind of steep slope that was my career, you know, it's ultimately film composing is is the job I feel like that can kind of encapsulate all the skills that I've long, learned along the way at once.
0: Yeah, yeah definitely. It's interesting because Sean himself was in a band. He was a singer. Does he not write stuff himself as well?
3: Um well, that kind of is a handy tool in our arsenal because you know, he doesn't really play so much anymore, although although me and a bunch of our mutual friends, you know, t- kind of tug at his shirt and like, "Hey, wouldn't it be cool?" but you know, he's 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 into he's into film and he's a family man now and stuff. <laughs> but it, it is great that when I give him when I present him with pieces and cues he can kind of give me like musician feedback yeah yeah you know back and and you know talk to me in like a musical language which is you know and I I don't mind at all like working with non-musical directors in fact I like it sometimes when people give me words like you know can you make it sound more pillowy or can you make it sound more sandpapery or whatever you know um you know Sean can literally down to the chord you know be like (laughs) I like Uh, That third chord, I don't like it. Like make it minor instead of major or, and sometimes instead of, you know, the sort of scratching somebody else's back or you're getting hotter you're getting colder type of guessing game that happens with a lot of other directors he can be like no 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 and, and like hum hum to me what he wants so that's that's also really useful and it, it kind of makes the process a lot more efficient
0: right yeah yeah i imagine that would help mm-hmm. do you listen to other other film school composers is there anybody particular that inspires you yeah
3: sure i mean there's the greats that everyone likes but To be honest with you, I I get more excited about the modern people who really turn me on, like, you know, Michael Levy, who, you know, did Under the Skin and and the Jackie movie now, and, you know, Johnny Greenwood, who does all the P.T. Anderson stuff. And uh, I love anything that sort of pushes stuff outside the box, you know, yeah. or, or kind of like the very fringes of like, what can we get away with? You know, that that's the stuff that really excites me more than, I mean, you know, who doesn't love John Williams and Morricone and, and Bernard Herrmann and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, in a way that stuff kind of, it's like Radiohead in a way, like I love Radiohead, but Radiohead have spawned so many horrible imitations, you know, yeah. and, and the same could be said for all the greats, you know, there's, so, there's so much bad for music that has come from emulating the greats whereas like the modern stuff to me it's it's just sort of puts its own signature on stuff which you know really excites me even stuff as silly as like that Prometheus trailer you know that where <laughs> what can we get away with you know that, yeah. that that's the stuff that I really like yeah yeah cool or at least like what I look to for inspiration you know if you listen to Raiders of the Lost Ark or Star Wars and you know for inspiration to me that's just you know oh I should just quit or give up you know yeah like, yeah because that stuff is just so great. No one's ever going to top it. I think, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah. Now I'm, I'm with you on that. It's come to the point, there is a point with certain film scores that they become so iconic. that
3: Yeah. Like, like every now and then, you know, I'll do like a screwball comedy and they, you know, want something similar to the Jaws theme or something like that. And it's like, you can't really do anything similar to the Jaws theme because the Jaws theme is its own, like that, those two notes are, are their own genre of music. You know, you can't really rip that off without being obvious about ripping that off. So, so I just, i generally just try and rather than have someone kick my ass at tennis i just try and beat them at golf
0: <laughs> yeah no i i get that i can't remember who i was i was talking to somebody and they they were sort of saying the thing with somebody like john williams is his stuff's amazing but it's john williams and if somebody copies it it sounds cliched but if he does it it's not because it's him <laughs> so right yeah exactly yeah 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 so what would you say the best piece of advice somebody's given you
3: is um i'll have to think about that for a minute it's okay i mean you know if we're talking about face-to-face like an actual person various directors have always said you know don't tip your hat too much like you know you're you're making you're making your presence known too much you know you're kind of like an the cue rather than just sort of which which I think personally and people have told me is one of my biggest strengths as a composer like I'm I'm very I'm very very adept at being able to sneak the music in and sneak the music out you know sort of give the Irish goodbye without no one realizing that there's not music anymore or that there is music now you know that would probably be face to face but then you know there's there's other uh, pieces of advice that I've quite literally just watched some of my heroes, you know, say on interviews and you on YouTube. Yeah. And, uh, I, I remember there's in particular one with Hans Zimmer where he said, always know who your boss is. Where <laughs> as in like the director isn't necessarily always the final say on a, on a project. Yeah. So, like, for instance, on this film, our our producer, Jonathan Schwartz, he had a really big say. He, he wasn't just like a find the money producer and make everything happen producer. He was also like a creative producer and had a final... had a final say on the final cut. So once I realized that I couldn't just please Sean, I had to please everybody. Then, you know, the challenge and the all the parameters of the job and, you know, and everyone was wonderful. You know, Jonathan was wonderful. Sean was wonderful. Like all the headbutting that happened was creative headbutting. It was never sort of like ego, like fist pound, you know, chest pounding kind of stuff, which, you know, that always like turns me off. And then at that at that point, I'm in the mode of just getting the project done and over with. not having to deal with but it was never it was never like that with this like everyone was first and foremost like concerned about the story and and getting it across and ultimately that's what everyone's in it for so I would say those are probably the, the two best pieces of advice you know that a person and a virtual person have given me
0: yeah yeah that makes sense. Now you've got this at Sundance, what are you doing next?
3: I'm actually really excited because, you know, the the composer gig is, as many can imagine, is a pretty monastic type of lifestyle. Yeah. So... Uh, Next, either I think it's in March. I'm I'm going to start doing a a horror film with with a good friend of mine uh, named Clifton Hyde, who's uh, uh, one of the, who used to be a musician with the uh, Blue Man Group. Oh, okay. so and it's it's a horror movie that takes place in in I think Mississippi. So there's going to be a lot of like perverting like the, the the regional Southern instruments, like you know detuned banjos and. Uh, detuned you know mandolins and you know wow. all that kind of stuff so cuz we we want to keep it southern but yeah. also have it fulfill the criteria of of horror, of a horror score yeah. so i'm pretty excited about doing that one and then um, i'm from i live in brooklyn but i'm from philadelphia originally right. and uh, I, i'm also about to start on a film that was 100% completely made in philadelphia called they are strangers which um, in the in the tradition of Philadelphia, it it's kind of starts out like a rom-com, and you think to yourself, "Oh, I'm watch like I'm watching like a, a lifetime like chick flick," and, and then it just sort of does an M. Night Shyamalan like twist upon itself, and then turns into a completely different movie. <laughs> and. Quite honestly, it was one of the best scripts I've ever read, and I, and and the fact that it was made by like my homies back in Philly, like I couldn't say no to it. And the the score, we're we're, we're doing something pretty. I don't want to give it away, but we're doing something pretty fascinating for it. So so both of those projects, I'm pretty pretty pumped about. And then lastly, uh, I know that as soon as I I I don't think I can talk about what it's about or what it is or anything. But as soon as Sean is done promoting. Sydney Hall he's jumping right into his next thing. Okay. And uh, which is going to be I think a complete 180 degree turn from Sydney Hall. So, you know, knowing him he's going to be working on the script and I'm probably going to be yeah. start writing cues already. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's going to be a busy next year. I'm pretty excited.
0: Yeah, yeah, good. You've got lots of stuff lined up. That's very cool. Last couple of questions. We cover a lot of TV shows on the website, so there's a couple of questions that always we put onto the end of the interview. First one is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment?
3: I just finished watching Luke Cage, which I enjoyed yeah. immensely. Yeah, yeah. It, and then it's it's also uh, there's I think it's a Canadian TV show called Dark Matter, which is probably. Yeah. It's schlocky, you know, and it's it's you know, it's not it doesn't have the high production and acting level as, you know, a lot of the applauded things, but it it has a real heart to it. And you kind of like it's one of the like I personally have a love of TV shows where you kind of tune in because the characters have kind of like become your, your friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like when you tune into the show, you're, you're like, Oh, I'm going to hang out with my friends now, you know, yeah, and dark yeah. matter kind of has that for me. I don't know why it just does. Yeah. There's, there's just a charm to it that I really love. And, mm-hmm. um, who doesn't like the blacklist? I love the blacklist. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. that, that shows, that shows great. But, but I, that, and that's, that's about it really, because I work so much that, Uh, I don't really have the sort of time to invest in in watching too many more. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Okay. Uh, And if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present, or future, what show would it
3: be? Oh, wow. Um, For past, I I would love to do Tales from the Crypt. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I would love to do that one. I would have loved to have worked on Twin Peaks. Yeah. I would have loved to have worked on, as far as, like, present, um, I don't know. There's probably, so many of the shows that I watch, I feel like the music that's in them is perfect already. Yeah, yeah. So oh, uh, the only show I think that I watched that I was kind of jealous of the guy who was working on it was was Jessica Jones. I wish I could have done that one.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. All
0: right. Well, I shall let you get back to uh, your um, Sundance. Recovering. I Hangover. <laughs> yeah. Hangover <laughs> recovery. Um, so uh, I, hope, I hope things go really well with the movie up at Sundance. Thanks so
3: much. It was a pleasure talking to you.
0: Yeah. Great talking to you too. Um, have have a great time at Sundance. I'm sure. but Hopefully we'll talk to you again at some point in the future okay
3: yeah cool. i love it thank you so much cheers thanks cheers bye, bye.
0: so that was the interview with darren hoped you really enjoyed that here's some airdate information and highlights for the next week on tv Airdate stuff this week changes we have lethal weapon which is the tv version of the very very famous films that's coming to itv on the third of march at 9 p.m any
2: interest in this bex i did really enjoy the films, and they are great Christmas film staples. I'm quite intrigued by it. If they're fun, I think then that could be quite an enjoyable one. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen
0: the first couple of episodes of this, and they are quite good fun. It's going down very, very well in the US, so it looks like it's definitely going to get renewed. The guy playing the Mel, Mel Gibson role, um, Riggs, I think does a really, really good job of it. The and uh, it's Damon Wayne's taking on the Roland Murtaugh. and uh, they, they make a really good pairing together. It's kind of modernised. It's different to the movie versions as you would have ex- as you'd expect, but I think they've done a really nice job in getting the essence of it. So you know, it's it's worth going to to watch. That's on ITV third of March at nine pm. Top Gear is back as well that's coming on the 5th of March which has now got the main lineup being Matt LeBlanc, Chris Harris and Rory Reid who were by far the best three people of the uh, run that's on BBC2 at 8pm on the 5th of March
2: I watched Top Gear when I was a lot younger but for reasons that uh, (laughs) are I stopped watching it quite some time ago and developed a general dislike for it, like they have now completely changed the hosts and done stuff with the format then maybe I could be tempted back but I generally had stopped watching it on print
0: right okay yeah the um the format's the format's kind of similar to how it was this obviously is the first season without chris evans uh, the first of the revamped seasons without Chris Devons. I'm quite looking forward to this. I think this could actually be the lineup that works because they were definitely the strongest people out of the previous lineup. So uh, yeah, I am I think that could be quite good. But uh, yeah, Top Gear season 24. That's back on the 5th of March on BBC2 at 8 p.m. Season three of Outlander, Outlander usually is due to come back onto air around about now. They announced that it's not going to come on air now. They've bumped it till September. The main reason behind that being that they're basing on one of the books, which has got a lot of sea voyage stuff in it. So they're having to go to, I think it's South Africa. They're shooting a lot of the sea voyage stuff in. They're nicking the sets from uh, Black Sails, apparently. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so they're they're shooting. Caring on... is caring. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Well, Black Sails is coming to an end or has come to an end. They've shot the final season of that. So rather than dismantle all the sets, Outlander asked them to leave them up so they could use them for this. Because of that, because they're usually based in Scotland. And they're now having to do this, this kind of off-site shooting. It's taking a lot longer, obviously, to do. So they've had to bump the release date back till September. But, you know, I'm sure it'll be for excellent when it comes back. Another interesting looking show, Prime Suspect 1973, which is a prequel to the main Prime Suspect show. That's coming on the 2nd of March at 9pm on ITV. I've never seen an episode of Prime Suspect. So if you're a fan, I imagine this is something you'll be really looking forward to. But yeah, not, not really my sort of show. So, you know. What is my sort of show? Uh, Robot Wars. Robot Wars is back for its second season on the 5th of March, apparently. Uh, did you go back and watch this season when it returned? Because I was always a huge fan when I was a kid.
2: Yeah, I didn't. I meant to. I don't know what happened there. Maybe that's one I'll keep for binge watching at some point when i am got a day off sick or something. Yeah there's nothing like watching robots battle each other to make you feel better when you've got a cold or something
0: yes yeah that was really good though I think they've they've done a really nice job Dara O'Brien because he has the contract that says he gets first refusal on any presenting job on the BBC so he's obviously presenting this now so uh, that's back with Dara O'Brien at the lead that's on the 5th of March that's coming back BattleBots as well for those people there were three people asking about BattleBots so that's coming soon to spike but we don't know when and also returning for a new season and apparently a revamp of a new look is the gadget show which is back for its 25th season that's some point in march i don't think they've given an exact date for that yet but that's coming up soon what they did announce is craig charles is apparently taking over one of the presenting duties
2: i used to watch it all the time but in the same way as top gear sort of stopped really being about cars and started being about big adventures the gadget show kind of did the same thing and stopped being about things you could actually buy and started being about the rather fantastical things that only just about loosely qualified gadget. Um, <laughs> and and it, it was still quite fun, but it got quite big. So I'm interested to see how they're gonna revamp the format a little bit because I'd yeah, again, I'd done what you what you said, I've just started to dip in and out of it and stopped following it kind of every week. Yeah, I mean
0: they are I think they recognize that was a problem. And they've said that like the first show back, they are going to be looking at certain like drones and things, but they are also looking at there's like an unboxing of the new Nintendo Switch, is one of the main things. So they're getting a bit more back into the gaming stuff they're also shooting it a few days before broadcast it's been shot at custom built new studios in birmingham they're shooting it a few days before broadcast so it should be very up to date as well it's going to be interesting to see how how that works but i think craig charles is a nice addition to the team he's usually quite good fun on screen so one to look out for we haven't got an exact date but that's coming in march next week on TV we've got Sleepy Hollow season 4 of that coming on the 22nd at 9pm to sci-fi note it's sci-fi not universal it's jump channels whether this will be the final season or not we don't know because uh, everybody thought the last season would probably be the final season so um yeah have, have you been keeping up with this?
2: I'm a little bit behind but I do really like Sleepy Hollow
0: yeah I'm I'm the same I'm aware that of sort of events that have happened but I am a little bit behind as well it was very interesting because we we, we interviewed Tom, the lead, and he'd chopped off all his hair and not told the producers last time we saw him. So <laughs> it was sort of one of those cases where I don't think he was entirely sure it was going to come back either. But uh, anyway, it is back for a new series with a new co-lead. So we will be interesting to see what that's going to be like. Sleepy Hollow Season 4 on Sci-Fi on the 22nd of February at 9pm. Person of Interest is also back for a new season as well. Again, that's got another channel jump. That's gone to Five USA, and that's on the 22nd of February at 9 pm. I do love this show.
2: Person of Interest is one of my favourite shows. It started off looking like it was just going to be procedural, and then it just goes into the most incredible ongoing plot that I've seen in anything. Yeah. Really, it's it's definitely one of my favourite shows. I'd like every single character in that show, and because I saw it on holiday, I have seen the final and I've seen the end of all of it, and it is very, very good.
0: Good. I'm glad it has a reasonable ending to it so i'm looking forward to seeing that again uh, it's jump channels it's not long on the main channel five it's on five usa for its final season so and that's 13 episodes that's on the 22nd of february at 9 p.m that arrives big bang theory is back for the second half of season 10 on the 23rd of february at 8 30 there's a new comedy called high maintenance coming which is on Sky Atlantic on the 23rd at 10pm. That's a HBO comedy about a weed delivery guy in New York don't know much more about it than that then there is Lucky Man Season 2 that is back for a second season on Sky 1 that's on the 24th of February at 9pm you watched the first season of this didn't you?
2: Um, no (laughs) no I didn't actually
0: Um, ah okay I I would have thought that's one that you would have watched I think I
2: did yeah it looks like something I should have watched doesn't it?
0: yes it does very much look like something you should have watched Um, it's it's
2: based on an idea because it's on Sky 1 that's why i haven't
0: seen it ah okay you not got a sky subscription
2: no <laughs> Ah,
0: okay yes based on an idea by by stan lee about a london police detective who who gets a lucky bracelet essentially is the is the basis for it but um it's very very well put together it did brilliantly well for the first season on uh, sky one so yeah i'm looking forward to that returning That's on the 24th of February at 9pm. Broadchurch, final season of that is on the 27th of February at 9pm. I have to say, I've never seen an episode of Broadchurch. I make a terrible English TV watcher. If it's on ITV, I don't watch enough stuff on ITV, you see.
2: Yeah, I think I'm pretty much the same. I've not seen Broadchurch either. See, the
0: thing is, it was one of those that I thought, I'll wait until it ends because I missed a few episodes of it. And I thought oh well I will wait until the end and then somebody spoilt who the murderer was in the first season I'm like well I might as well not bother now <laughs> so Yeah that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so yeah and then because of that I've kind of not gone to bother to watch the rest of it so uh, so yeah 27th of february for the third season of of broadchurch and final season of broadchurch 9 p.m on itv and then taken the tv version of the liam neeson films is coming to amazon prime on the 28th of february that arrives any interest for you on this? Uh,
2: none whatsoever. I <laughs> greatly dislike films. Um, this is just going to be like the Transporter TV series all over again. Um,
0: yeah, that's no. that's sort of I, my I'd like to of find it.
2: some silver lining to kind of say something nice about this. Yeah, no.
0: <laughs> I, I'm sort of with you on that. I, I'm not massively convinced, but you know, I might watch. I watched a few few episodes of it just to see, but yeah, I, I have to say, I'm not massively convinced by this either. So that's it for this week. Unless you've got anything else. You you want to add in no I wish I could have
2: ended on a slightly more chirpy note than taking more be rubbish sorry about that
0: where can people find you because you've been busily working away on videos recently so where can people find you yeah
2: well some of the bits go up onto the uh, Geek yes. Town website where I write articles for you uh, so you can find that in any of the news sections I also have a YouTube channel called Trista Bites spelled like computer bite because I'm that geeky and also Facebook Twitter Instagram all the normal places really uh, where I've just yeah, coverage of all the events I've been to and movie reviews and bits and pieces yes and for us you can of course find
0: us at geektown.co.uk throughout the week for all the latest air date info if you want to get in touch with the questions and comments email podcast at geektown.co.uk you can leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown or on youtube.com forward slash geektown or on instagram at geektownuk. that is everything we shall see you next week bye 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 bye